Hi guys, welcome to the Revive Stronger podcast. I'm your host, as always, Steve Hall. And today I'm very happy to be having two great natural bodybuilders and coaches on the show, both incredibly smart and educated with a lot of experience. And those are Andrew Chappelle and Alberto Nunez. And essentially we're talking about what was a social media post that some of you might be aware of, but it's essentially a discussion around, can you be ready too early and what physique should we be targeting towards stage what is the overall package that we want to bring and how might we go about bringing that really really fruitful discussion between these two you're gonna want to check it out so guys without further ado let's get into the show hi guys welcome to the revive stronger podcast i'm your host as always steve hall and today i have two guests on the show alberto nunez from 3DMJ and Andrew Chappelle from Pro Prep Coaching. And both of these guys are natural pros, uh, very, very good pros. And they're also coaches themselves and have been in the sport for a long, long time. And I think give the sport a lot of value. And uh, these discussions I love because there are some differences of opinion on certain things. And quite often there are a lot of kind of lines that can be crossed where we can find kind of a middle ground or where actually there's a lot of an agreement where on the outside it might not look like that. We'll see uh, as the discussion goes and uh, these guys are being great sports and just kind of very open to have this discussion, which I think is just a lot of fun and I appreciate it. But to give the listeners kind of a, a bit of an awareness of where this started, and I'm sure a lot of people already kind of might know because I hope they're following both of you. Um, essentially, there was a post on the Team 3DMJ page 20th of July, if you really want to kind of scroll back and find it. Uh, and it's of a athlete called Dirk, who was nine weeks out uh, with four pounds to go was kind of the statement on there. Uh, and talking about kind of eating up five weeks out, staying peaked. And uh, it was essentially kind of saying, welcome to natural bodybuilding in 2020. How much less stress would you be if you were this ready? And there was various people commenting on this and Andrew was one of them. Uh, and I thought Andrew had some good points that he kind of talked across on his story and everything. I was like, this is got to be a really kind of healthy, great discussion to have of why these differences of opinion have kind of come out. But I thought maybe for kind of uh, for everyone's sake, actually, Alberto, it might be handy for you to kind of further clarify your position, give a bit more context, because I think a post can only say so much and you can only say so much on like back and forth Instagram comments and everything. So I'm glad we can have this platform. Yeah, the intentions with, with that post, I think above anything else, was just to, you know, put something out there that's inspirational, that's just free. Um, of course, you know, with that, especially when we're talking about natural bodybuilding, it's like there's always, like, we, we can't just leave it there. And that's fine because, uh, again, something like this uh, was, was brought up. Um, and I guess also we probably didn't do our duty in regards to like presenting Dirk ahead of time. Like, okay, this is um, this athlete's specific situation. This is how he's been groomed for the last five, six years, basically to get to this point. Um, so I can understand why people were a little freaked out. It's like, Hey, this is a first time competitor. Um, and he is, I think he was nine weeks out at that point. And at some point I mentioned, like he, we're probably gonna have to see a four pound drop on the scale in order to get him where he needs to be. I think had that been like reverse and like that would have been a picture of me at nine weeks out looking that peeled. I think most people would have just kind of sat back and been like, Oh, okay, let's, let's, let's see this clinic that's about to be put on and see where this is going. 
So, but I do understand because, hey, that's a first-time competitor. Um, but with Dirk, it's a little different, you know? Um, and not only that, but, like, sports just evolve over time. Like, I was looking at USAPL, like, Raw Nationals, and, like, this is, like, the juniors division, the 83-kilo class. There was 25 competitors in 2019. I think all but four guys ended up squatting over 230 kilos, so over 500 pounds, basically. So, like, that sport, like, like, you could say took a little, like, spurt in the right direction. And the same thing with our sport. It's, like, in its own way, um, you know, we're going to be doing that constantly. And I think Dirk is kind of, like, the prototypical athlete that, hey, he comes to someone, like, ahead of time. Hey, I wanted to get, like, my general education requirements, like, together with a specific group of coaches so that literally from day one, um, he can you know, basically be where I was maybe like 15 years into the sport. Um, but there was a lot of other details with like Dirk's like situation that I think, unless you know, it, it, it's hard to understand. Uh, besides like the grooming, I think physiologically, he has um, just a little different. But I mean, that's just kind of how it is for, for most elite athletes. Uh, he was doing parkour earlier um, like this year, I don't actually, it was like last year during the lockdown. And honestly, when he was doing parkour, when he had the urge to go jump off of things, um, he was probably leaner than I'd say like 90 something percent of competitors. And this includes pros. Um, he's not feeling great by any means. He's definitely digging. Um, but, um, I do believe that what we're doing is right. Once you do taper calories up, you don't feel great energy-wise. You're not making a whole lot of progress in the gym, but the worst is certainly over uh, at that point. So, um, so yeah, and I'm open to, again, like being wrong. That is one thing that with our athletes, we do um, get in their minds early. Is it like, hey, I'm not like bodybuilding Jesus here, despite <laughs> the appearance, right? Um, like I... I, I'm going to be wrong at some point and I'll tell you if I am wrong and if we took a wrong turn here and there and we'll definitely assess the situation afterwards and uh and see like, like any prep what we could do better on both sides so um but yeah he's down two kilos I think in that picture he was down two kilos the four pound thing really freaked people out but you have to remember it's like when you lose four pounds it's not four pounds of fat right when you lose you're going to get flatter um right? A bunch of other things go like blood volume and we're going to lose probably, yeah, those four pounds, but probably like the week after, once we start eating back up, probably regain like half that weight anyways. So, um, so yeah, that's, uh, it's a little bit about Dirk, a little bit about the story. Um, and I mean, we'll see, we'll see how this thing goes. Uh, I guess one on one, one last note, um, we did kind of set up this prep where I would say he's about three weeks ahead of where I'd like him to be, which still would freak people out. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that I, I still don't know about anything like post September. And I hate thinking this way. It's going to be a for sure thing given everything that's going on around the world. So it's like, Hey, uh, you know, instead of let's guarantee that for that first show, we are like 100, 100% um, as opposed to, hitting that show maybe before we start tapering things up have to depend on the peak week a little bit more um let's play it safe by i guess 
in, in a way, not playing it safe because to be perfectly honest, we just don't know. And, you know, we'd rather be ready should that happens. Cool. No, I think that's really nice to have a bit of a background, at least specifically about Dirk. And then also bringing it around to like saying, what if this was you putting it out there? And I think you did share a later kind of post about yourself and your journey and how you ended up doing it. Uh, I'm not sure what the response there was, but I think, uh, Andy, you may have even commented on that one as well. So uh, I'll, I'll let Andy kind of take the floor if if you're all right to do that, Andy, and just kind of respond with your, if you have questions for Berto or whatever you would like to say, kind of based off that. Yeah, sure. Thanks. Uh, thanks for giving me that. And thanks for your uh, your explanation of, of everything, Alberto. And, and thanks again for inviting us onto the, the podcast, Steve. So, gosh, there's there's so much you've said there, Alberto, to, to come in and I'll, I'll try and piece together some various different things that you, you said in here with it. I mean, first off, the, the intention was to show something freaky and inspirational. There's no doubt it was inspirational. So many guys will have seen Dirk there. And you know what? I, I said this as well, and I'll say it again. The guy looks great. He looks really, really good. Like, he's, he's done a great job to get himself in shape. Uh, it's inspirational. He does look freaky. And if the goal is to present something freaky in a photograph at that particular moment, then, then you've absolutely achieved that, that goal. Um, the context is always important, and you're, you're right as well. And things can get, um, I guess, miscommunicated because of a, a lack of context sometimes as, as well. I guess the four pounds thing that you're putting on there, if, if we're thinking, okay, four pounds, most of us are thinking that, the, that you're referring to, he's got four pounds of fat to come off. And from there, and, and I guess my response is, from that, well, where's the fat going to come off? Because from a judge's perspective, and when you look at him, the guy, for me, I'm thinking, right, well, he's ready. Where's where's the four pound coming off of? And the, the four pound at that point seems like any sort of unnecessary suffering or or just muscle wasting at that point. So I guess that's where a lot of us were thinking, four pounds from there. And then there were some other comments, um, and then you, you alluded to them as well, about Dirk, he's, he's been in the trenches with it. You're eating up and he's not feeling great. And and guys been saying, and along with myself, like, okay, but there's no doubt that guy's not going to be feeling in a good position like that. So why why potentially put someone in that position? But again, if he's okay with that and he understands that that's what he's going for and he wants to experience that, again, again, the context is important, isn't it? I'm judging it, though, from the judges' table and I'm thinking, well, he looks ready now. Is it worth feeling horrible for eight to 10 weeks when he could potentially look worse, come around, lose the muscle mass? And is it worth it from that perspective, I suppose? We're thinking um, we're thinking in, in there as well. So there's, I think I've addressed some of the things that you you brought up beyond there. Um, I think if it was yourself, yeah, people would have embraced that. And I think the first timer aspect is another thing that you're you're talking about because you, you've mentioned this yourself about being an advanced trainer, and there's definitely differences, I believe, and I don't know if you agree, with, in terms of what you're probably willing to put a first-timer through, a team competitor, a junior competitor. And, and I have real sort of battles with my own conscience when I'm thinking, right, is it worth pushing a kid like yeah. this? I'm not saying there's a kid to do this, to, to really to make them hurt. And that's the expression that we, we use in, in bodybuilding, that going and hurting. So... Those are all the sort of things that we're, we're considering um, on this. So that's the, 
the first piece? Does that all make sense? And does that address some of the, the things that were brought up? Are we happy? Yeah, I know. And, and, and I, I, I agree with that because quite often, like, you know this, like you get an athlete and you, I mean, you're kind of like the cut man in boxing. It's like they come to you, you kind of assess the situation. Yeah. And before you send them back in, you kind of have a general idea of how much more you're willing to tolerate. And at a certain point you do, <laughs> you know, not everyone, not their first time anyways, are they destined to maybe get in the sort of shape that they want to. And especially if you want to keep the athlete around for a while. So, yeah. um, so yeah, I think that's how, honestly, that, that was refreshing because I don't think that's something people would have even considered like there uh, 10 years ago where it's like there's different levels that you push an athlete kind of depending on their you know level of experience their history yeah. you know all that so the fact that people are aware of that it's like that's i think that's a fantastic sign that we're just we understand these like there's stages and levels to, to all this well i i think a few years ago when i did some research on this and i i always had an inclination on this one of how long the, the average person hangs around and I mean, I think the attrition rate of comp competitors getting ready for shows of 100 people that start, you're probably looking about only 60% might make it there. And if you employ a coach, that percentage is higher because they're maybe com committed that little bit more. But in terms of staying around in the sport, you're probably looking at about three years. So the longevity is a real issue for athletes. And if you smash someone initially, then are they going to make it to even three years? So the shelf life is an important thing. And I like the cut man analogy. So it's, it's sustainability um, is something that we have to always consider as, as a coach. And some people might want to be pushed and you're sort of thinking, okay, well, is this person ready to be pushed? Are they at the level? And, and is it necessary as well at the, the same time we, we have to consider? And I guess that's what we, to bring it back around to what we were saying before, is it necessary to really put someone in a position where they've got maybe 10 weeks to hold that conditioning and, and what happens physiologically, psychologically to, to people. And I know, Steve, you've had these discussions, I think, with myself before about this. I'm sure you've had discussions with, um, with Eric about this. And I offered a paper with, with Eric about the biopsychosocial effects of um, competitive bodybuilding. It's so extreme. It's so, so extreme. So, I guess we've got to consider all of these things and, and the package that is going to be presented to, to the judges because that's ultimately what, what matters at the end of the day beyond the, the freaky picture. I, I don't know if you've got comment on any of that. Um, yeah. Um, going back to the, you know, it's just as a coach, you have such a, Definitive impact, definitive impact on the trajectory of an athlete's <laughs> career. Um, and I think usually the way I like to pace it is, you know, I, I think I did good if I pushed you maybe a little bit further than you would have gone out on your own. But uh, unfortunately, even that for most athletes isn't, um, for not most athletes, for a lot of athletes, that's not going to be enough. Like in hindsight, they're not going to be happy. It might take a few years for them to come back to me to me and be like thank you so much for like absolutely not wrecking me that that first time and i'm fine with that um it's almost like pseudo parenting you know it's like later on you go back and <laughs> like that you know that. you thank your parents for you know like putting up with some of uh some of your crap but um 
honestly, like most of the time, I think, and this has always been something, and that's probably why I decided to post Dirk. Uh, besides the fact that I just think he needed some rounds out there, because it's like you, you know, because you have thin skin, you're going to have to develop some th- some thick skin. That's just that's that's part of your development, and and it's it's a privilege that you are in in this position. So um, let's let's throw you out there and, and you know let let them get you a little bit because that's that's just how it's going to be from now on realistically. But um, most of the time we have a reputation, I think, of being kind of a um, softer coaching company. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of our athletes, like, will put, like, not everyone's shredded. And, and folks will be like, like, you know, like, so-and-so is always getting their athletes PO. Then, I mean, this is what 3D Muscle Journey does. And again, it's like, you forget, like, the context of the situation. Like, maybe this person might have been overweight, like, most of their, yeah. like, life you know um and maybe it might take 10 years for them to get to the point where it's like okay they have like for sure above average conditioning on that stage and it's not totally like wrecking their lives for like the next five years um so yeah there's there's just so many things to, to balance when it comes to this and i mean i've said it before i wish i could almost go back like 10 years and just apologize to like my first batch of athletes because you know, back then it was like, you're getting shredded, you're getting shredded, everyone's getting shredded, you know, and that's, that's just, that's just not how you do it. Um, on the competitive side, I will say this, I think what conditioning is to bodybuilding, and I think this goes for enhanced as well. Um, I say the symmetry and the muscularity is kind of like the written paper and its ideas and, you know, um, and, and how strong the arguments are there. And the conditioning is kind of like, the, like, is there typos or not? You know, it's kind of like you're reading and it's like, oh, that's okay. That's kind of bumpy. All right, let's keep going. So that's kind of what the conditioning is. And, you know, the higher the level, the more important it is. Um, like Ronnie Coleman, one thing people forget, I, there's been no one leaner, man, head to toe than Ronnie. Like you can say whatever you want about his like symmetry, about his, uh size how freaky the body parts were but you know like dexter jackson was always up there like the blade and uh, you know the casual life you be fan just assumes that the smaller guys are the most more conditioned guys right and it's like no like ronnie like had no soft spots and the higher you're, you you want to play this game at like the more conditioning matters like um were you there for brian whitaker versus cleveland thomas and and siobhan cunningham hey pascal here I just wanted to take the moment to talk about our membership site. Inside, you'll find a thriving forum, an extensive exercise library, courses, presentations, and research reviews. All I need you to do is hit the link in the description below and sign up. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up because I would have gone Cleveland every day of the week on that one. And I know there's a lot of Brian Whitaker fans out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cleveland's bigger. He's got better symmetry. He wins more shots. Brian Whitaker's okay, maybe he's 2.5% or 3% body fat. Cleveland's 5%, but his extra 2.5% body fat isn't enough for me for him to take the W over him. He's just more complete. And that's how I would have judged it. But I know that that's why bodybuilding's yeah. thing judges its opinions. And that's the way I would have yeah, got Yeah, no, that, that's, that's how it should be. You have, uh, that's a wonderful argument. I've, I've always think, I've always thought that Cleveland's symmetry has been just a little... He's like, freaky. <laughs> it's it's underrated yeah he doesn't make himself sometimes look his best with some of the poses no I, I agree he's, he's, wherever he's, he's still there, there. Like, he's probably gonna he's, he probably he could try to make himself look worse but he, he, um 
but it, it's, it's hard to take your eyes off them. But I remember seeing the judging panel there and I was like, oh, okay, these are all those guys that will tell you, it's like, don't chase glutes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like they are, you know, they, they love the shape and, and, and the silhouette of, of the muscles. And, and mm-hmm. it's not like get too focused on losing all that. Like they're from that camp. And I'm like, okay, we'll see how this goes. Um, but you know, it just so happens that like, I, I, I guess from my perspective is like, you just couldn't get your, like you could, you would scan Cleveland, you would mm. scan Siobhan and then you would go right back to like Brian, like, like he, you, you kept, like he kept being the gold standard mm. for, for everything. And in natural bodybuilding, I'd say IFEB, the most important pose is probably going to be the back lat spread. Mm-hmm. Maybe the front double biceps kind of close there too, but the back for the longest time, the Olympia has been the back lat spread competition basically. Okay. Uh, natural bodybuilding, it's that back double bicep. And that's where like, basically it's like the, all the big muscles of the posterior chain, you can assess someone's symmetry really, uh, quite well from that pose. And it's like, it shows the most detail. Like there's no pose that shows more detail than that one. And every time Brian kept in that pose, it was just like, it's like, like you're just leaps ahead of these guys. Um, when it came to the full package, but, uh, but yeah, where Dirk is going, like that's where judges tend to like. No matter what they say, it's like they want a paper without any typos. They don't want like a little back wrinkle. Mm-hmm. They don't want like the tip of the glutes, uh, the edge of the glutes, not fully there. Um, they want split hamstrings, and and that's what we we have to to bring. And I, I do agree. I, I'd say for ninety nine point nine percent of people, because uh, you have to go back to his physiology. Like, are you Dirk? <laughs> you know. Um, he took the long ass route to get here. We've been working for like five years to get to this point. Um, it, it's just not going to be the appropriate goal. But I think for the, the same can be said about like all elite athletes. It's like maybe don't focus on what they're doing and, you know, like, like focus on the tools you have at your disposal, both coaches and from a genetic standpoint. So, okay. I mean, th- there's some great things you said here. In, in this uh, argument. And I like that 2003 Ronnie Coleman's the stride one. Although I, 1999 for me is craziest. Um, I like 98. 98. It was just before, was before but, the explosion. Yeah. But I mean, I, I wrote some things down prior to, to this call because I expected some things to come up. And one thing that I thought might come up is the difference between the sort of European, UK-based bodybuilding philosophy on what guys like versus the American philosophy. And you guys had the IFPA for a long time over there, Yorton Cup and all that sort of stuff. And they only ever had in the scorecard for, for a long time, like a single score. They didn't judge the symmetry round. And that federation was so hell-bent on condition, 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 condition. They really drove that thing home at the expense of some crazy decisions, like guys with shredded glutes that were small and lacking size, getting beating guys that were bigger and had better symmetry. I mean, I remember famously Chris Savuga, I think should have won at least a heavyweight class one year at the Yorton Cup was beaten by somebody never should have been beaten by. And guys who were, I remember being described as steamroller flat, but had shredded glutes were, were winning them. And I think that's had a lasting legacy in, in natural bodybuilding in the US that, Guys have sought out that really ripped, shredded glutes look 
at the expense of just the size. And yeah, like I, I would come back always to this sort of, okay, well in the UK and certainly within the WMBF, we'll do the pre-judging, we'll do the, the evening round and we'll actually judge the guys and actually judge the symmetry round, that's one score. You judge the, the muscularity round, that's the second score. And then the third round, you've got another score of, okay, well, it's free posing, but let's put the whole package there and see where it goes. And, and every time, I think the philosophy over here in Europe is different from America, which is, no, we, we like the, the more symmetrical, the bigger package. And, and I think if you had put that package, as you're saying with Brian, for example, and Siobhan and, and uh, in Cleveland over into sort of the UK, I think for me, the most important pose in bodybuilding and natural bodybuilding is the front relaxed. Brian's got narrow shoulders. He doesn't look good in a lot of those front shots. Um, and that's not enough. That that's too weak to overcome from a from a back shot. And just because you've got shreddy glutes, you need to have that roundness. That that's the way. That's certainly my philosophy. And again, that that's okay. That can be a difference in um, philosophy on that. But if I look at the the history of some of the natural bodybuilding shows in, in the UK in the last twenty years, I can think of one lightweight competitor that's won the overall championships and won that pro card, and that was a guy back in two thousand. Like the, being small and ripped is not as good as being bigger, more muscular and still lean as well. Maybe not being 99.999% or rather 100%, but if you're close enough, that invariably wins because the total package. And it's the same at the Worlds, the last time it was on in 2019. Every class, they went with a bigger guy. He won every single class. So, I mean, that, that would be my retort, I guess, on top of that. I liked how you said about the pseudo-parenting. I thought that was amazing. That's so good, man. About not wrecking people. And you're totally right. It's Coaching is about getting the best out of the individual. Not everyone's ready to be wrecked. Not everyone's ready to be that, that crazy and that's ready. And then I totally take your point on board about his particular physiology. I was speaking to one of my, my athletes the other day there, and he said, that guy, like, referring to Dirk, I would not want to walk about training like that because my training would be compromised and I'd just be so scared of getting injured the whole time around my joints. But if he's doing parkour, I mean, I love watching that stuff. Um, and he's doing it at a slightly higher body fat and he's conditioned to that. That's a slightly different story. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I would break. <laughs> There's no doubt. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, and I, I'd say he definitely does better when it comes to dieting than I do. And there's a lot of things that I can't relate to when it comes to dieting, for example, like I don't ever get cold. Um, yeah. like ever, I, I feel like sometimes I get hotter cause I can move more freely of anything. Um, so like everyone's like, and that's why sometimes it's hard to, because I don't know, like, um, like think of a world-class 400 meter runner. It's like his legs probably don't burn the same way that everyone else's legs burn when he's yeah. like sprinting down the track. Like, you know, so it's not that he has this like these this, these like incredible yes he's brave yes he works hard but at the same time he has a lot going like for him just at the baseline mm. level so um so yeah you know the same thing with Dirk where it's like we would stop eating and and, and making uh, any strides to gain weight and he was realistically just over like double digit body fat um and I'm like, okay, well, fine. And, you know, at, at first I definitely thought he was 
just a bit um, anti-gaining weight, anti-gaining fat. But as time went on, I'm like, no, I think this just is legitimately um, just you. Because I think what would have gave it away was would have been like a lack of progress. But at some point, like Dirk was like no like a Dirk, and that's that's no longer the case. So um, so yeah, yeah, it's it's that's just a set point, I guess. Um, on the competitive note. I will say this. So I think people feel like you have to give away muscle to get peeled. And I think sometimes you do. Sometimes that is the cost of, of doing business. Um, but also, I think it's a combination of just the guys that are willing to go through that are the guys that have no choice. You know, the guys that um, like, you know, in my case, like my wrists are under six and a half inches, man. Like there's only so much like my frame can hold so like what is going to be my best approach there it's like okay um i'm going to have to make every muscle group look impressive in a different way uh sort of way um so i think that's why sometimes you see a lot of these physiques it's like okay they're lacking roundness they're lacking that uh, natural symmetry and it's like oh he lost it somewhere along the way and i'd say that okay sometimes that does happen absolutely i've seen people mess that up because it is a whole different skill set to get someone not just peeled but get them peeled with uh <laughs> everything still there uh it, it's quite an elusive skill set i'd say it's it's not to be undermined um but quite often i think it is those guys that are simply they have no choice. That's just how they're going to have to play the game to get any, you know, to, to achieve any sort of competitive success. Um, also, if you do lose a dusting of muscle, of muscle, just like a, the way, same way a lot of us have learned during the lockdown that, hey, you know, like it comes back like so quick, it's actually quite freaky. Uh, even in what would be for most people a hormonally compromised uh, position, it seems to come back like right away with a little bit of eating for say a, a month. So whatever you do lose, if you, if you do have time afterwards and you know how to get someone out of that position, um, which usually is a little bit freaky than most people think. Like with most folks who are peeled, 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 like their calorie increases can be like somewhere, like from where they ended to where they end up, it's like a 30 to 40% increase most of the time. Um, so it's quite big, but most coaches don't have the, they don't want to pull the trigger on that and like mess someone up, but usually dipping them in that for a good month or so you recover, not just the lost muscle, but also the fullness that, that might've been lost. Yeah. Okay. So there, there's a number of things that we've, you've said in there that I, I would sort of maybe push back on a, a little bit on, on that. Um, I think it's important we discuss about what actually happens when you're that extremely lean. Because that, that's a really important thing. Because we've talked about, okay, someone not feeling particularly good in that sort of position. And if you if you look at the literature, we've now got a number of case studies on this. And we've got case series. And some of the things that actually happen when you're looking at it. So you see people getting a loss of libido in relation to, to testosterone. You see higher rates of depression. So if I give you a psychometric test and I get you to take Beck's um, depression anxiety scale, um, then, then that goes up. State trait anxiety goes up. So those sort of things are are happening when you're down at those extremely low body fat levels. And I don't think it's a calorie thing. I think once the body fat level drops below a certain threshold, regardless of how high we bring the calories and regardless of how you manipulate the macros, I'm not entirely sure that you can you can really rescue that um, from there. 
Hormonally, you're messed up. So you've got thyroid suppression, you see leptin suppression, along with testosterone suppression, ghrelin's elevated, cortisol is elevated, and all these things contribute to a reduction in your resting metabolic rate. And at the same time, on top of that, that's where you also sort of potentially lose the muscle mass. And that's the big thing that we're all concerned about. And I'm always concerned about, okay, well, what is the best package? And you talked about that dusting a, a little bit of muscle that you might potentially lose to, to get peeled. And I think we all accept that maybe there's a, a little bit that sometimes does go because I think the best you can hope is that you minimize it to, to zero, but there's, I don't know how likely that, that really is. And, and in the studies that I've been involved in, I'm not sure our methods have been strong enough to pick up the, the small changes. But if you look in the literature and even in my study, for athletes getting ready for a contest, you're losing as much as of the weight you lost between 32 to 43% of what was lost was, was fat-free mass. And that's not going to be a potentially good package. And I would say, and this is where I would push back that, okay, you get yourself super lean and you're in that sort of situation where your hormones are compromised, your metabolic rate's compromised. Okay, you can maybe rescue it a little bit by increasing the calories. But once that muscle mass is, is gone, and you're spending a long time down there, you're not getting that back until you come out of that calorie deficit and you do a proper recovery phase. And you make a really good point about the 38, 40%, but the goal is stage, and the goal is to look good on stage. A month of eating up, it might be too late there. And I've just, I've just seen it too many times of people trying to keep themselves lean all year to produce that good look and then compare it to previous years and the guys look better when they didn't do that strategy and they peaked at a, a different time. So th that's what I'd say about that. And I mean, I can give you some names like Ben Lloyd, I spoke to at the weekend, did the WNBF Worlds. That guy was ready 2019 in March to um, September. <laughs> he competed in November. You look at Lewis Smith, Daz Cooper, the same. Robert Waterhouse won the IFBB Pro Card. That guy looked his best in 2017. He was smaller by the time he came to do that 2020 pro card winning because he'd spent so long dieting because the shows kept getting moved and he's just like a smaller package. So it's losing that muscle mass and not being quite as good a package. And again, I'm always sort of saying, well, the package is the most important thing, not just being peeled. So that, that would be my response to, to those sort of things. And just why get ready that quickly because you could maybe time it a little bit better, although I appreciate that we're in unusual times and shows are getting moved and stuff. So, I mean, what, what do you think? Yeah. Um, I mean, not to sound pompous, but I think a lot of these coaches, whoever's guiding these athletes, they just don't have the right skill set when it comes to both the training and the nutrition. Because I'm Short sure... Hard, experience... <laughs> Those guys oh, will be it, <laughs> it, I mean, put it this way. It's like when you work with enough people um mm -hmm. you develop a sense of empathy for especially yeah. the, the less gifted right and yeah. so a, a big part of your development as a coach is going to be and again for me this is like 15 years later and like i don't know how many athletes like and a lot of mess ups to get to this point where i can get someone much further without wrecking them as hard as maybe i had to initially uh, and that's something that I'm continually like striding for, um, you know, no similar, no different than like, it's like going back to the boxing analogy. It's like, I want my guys to like win their fight with a clean face at the end of it. Like the more we can do that, 
the more we can uh, get this on and the longer and more successful the career can can be. So so on the on the bodybuilding front, um, I'd say that still to this day, um, when it comes to many things we're doing, it's like we're finally catching on to a lot of stuff that like Dr. Joe was doing like 20 or so years ago. Um, he, I was actually trying to look for those articles because he had pieced numerous together of athletes basically doing something very similar to what I'm doing with Dirk. Uh, I used to actually get mad at Joe because I'm like, why aren't you getting this dude peeled? Why aren't you getting this dude peeled? Then like now that like a few years have gone by, it's like, you know, yeah. like as we discuss, it's like, now I get it. Now that I see why there's such a contrast between some of your athletes, but, um, but yeah, he, he was basically adding kilos of fullness to a lot of even his female athletes as they were like getting, uh, as they got ready early and were bringing food back in. Uh, and I'd say honestly, relative to the way we were training people, even like, man, like five, six, seven years ago, the way he was training his folks, I th- I'm like, I'm looking back in, in hindsight, I'm like, man, that was quite advantageous, um, especially like during like the deepest, darkest points of a contest prep diet. Um, so I think a lot of it just comes down to that. And, and honestly, like, shoot, like coaches, I'd say just like the average middle of the road coach now. like like back when I started would have been a freaking genius. So I think it's just a matter of time before literally everyone, um, a lot of these things now that I think are just elusive skills now for the majority of coaches out there. um, There's just going to be your, I mean, if you want to be a professional in this sport, you're you're just, you're just going to have to push to whatever that next level might be. So I'm not to my own horn here. I'd say that honestly, the most successful like contest prep coach right now, the guy, and he's actually seen this in practice too, is Cliff, which, yeah, there's a little bit of IFPA influence there, but I'd say Cliff, like when it comes to, um, especially working with the gifted athletes, because it, those are hard to handle in a different way. Like, he knows how to get the best out of them. So, so anyhow, um, so yeah, I just think it's 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 a matter of errors in, in the system, and maybe you're just not the right candidate. And certain athletes, you just might have it so that like, hey, like for you, like running around peak for like two months is maybe like your cap. Everyone certainly does have a cap. The cap does exist, and you have to be aware of what that might be. Hi guys, Steve here. Just wanted to take a moment of your time to remind you of our online coaching service. At Revive Stronger, we pride ourselves on providing personalized service that will take your physique and knowledge to the next level. If you're interested, check the description and sign up. Yeah, I mean, I think you're talking about the, the cap. I mean, that's the, the classic term is diet fatigue, isn't it? I mean, how much can you take and how long can you, yeah. can you handle it for before you, before you break? not just physiologically, but psychologically as well. And I think an interesting question is, I mean, the, the academic thing is, how long can you hold that peak condition for before all of those negative physiological consequences, which I talked about, really hit home even more so, and you start losing muscle mass? And I'm 100% sure that it's individual, who knows what the average is? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I've done contests where I've got super lean before and then I've had to hold it for a month and then I've eaten up. I've even looked a little bit leaner when that other contest 
came around and I felt better for it. But there's no way I could have held it for another month and another month after that because sooner or later, okay, my body would have eventually got even more used to it probably. But again, I would have been losing more and more muscle from, from there. Um, so that's an academic question. Have you got any sort of idea or feeling for how long someone would hold it for? Because that, that, that's the thing that I would always be thinking, right? How long can somebody keep this sort of condition? Do we need to? And you're always going to feed them up because you're just going to, once they're down there, you don't need to keep them. But what are your feelings and thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's going to be a combination of... Um you know, how they roll. Like, I think one thing that helps me from a psychological standpoint, I tend to be kind of a, a type B sort of personality where like, it's really hard for me to like, just get overwhelmed and stressed with things, you know? So it's like, I'm already kind of there to begin with. And then add with that, I've never been overweight. I've So for me, it's like, but even then it's like, shoot, that last, remember that slide I showed on Instagram? I'd say that towards the end, what was probably killing me the most was probably the fact that I'm like, man, I'm just kind of done of working on this goal more than anything, yeah. more than the okay. actual, uh, yeah, more than like the actual, like, man, I'm lean. Life is a little bit too predictable. It was killing me. It's just like, can I just move on to the next thing? Um, but surely at some point there would have been a, everyone has a cracking point, you know? Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, and I can see how with Dirk, it's definitely something where it's like, well, we don't know because we don't have a whole lot of history on him because it's his first time. Um, so I'd say that, yeah, I'm probably pushing him like maybe three weeks ahead of schedule of where I, I think that point would be. Uh, but we, we have no choice just because his first show or his second show might be his last show, given how everything's going, unfortunately. Um, but, um, but, you know, we'll find out. Out, I guess. Um, when it comes to all those side effects, like dining wise, I think they just they they just they vary so much from person to person. And as yeah, you get better I, as a coach, I think you can minimize a whole lot of that. You know, um, like I'm sure you've seen it. Like someone's worked with some other, you know, shitty coach. You get them basically to a certain level where they're like, "Man, this is like I'm robbing the bank so far." You know, relative to my last experience. Um, and I think one place where we're kind of behind on that is probably on the training front with athletes, uh, bodybuilders relative to, I think, drug-free strength athletes is like, um, training can kind of sort of be the same way too, where if you know how to organize and structure your stuff, um, that can be, it doesn't have to be as stressful as I think a lot of folks think, but I totally resonate with that because it took me a while to finally believe that hype because get my hard working grind is what got me there initially so it's it's a hard layer to that's, that's why that's the I like the dieting part it's very easy to get like the trust from my athletes there but the training part with some of them it's 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 yeah it's it's, it's, a, it's a it's a much more difficult argument to to win but nevertheless um i just think as, as time goes on we're going to be able to get our athletes more and more peeled just as a sport um because that's literally the one thing we have that can kind of match up with the enhanced bodybuilders. It's like, that's the one thing we can do. Um, and especially if you're not gifted from a symmetry and muscularity standpoint, it's like, you know, something that, you know, can help you um, perhaps compete a few notches higher. Um, and I think we can be able to do that with athletes and basically do it in a cleaner way. 
Um, I think they'll be 10 years from now. I think Dirk will be just like the casual, like early 20s bodybuilder. <laughs> it was like on his first or second prep. And, you know, so, and I'll be completely outdated and my genetics will be obsolete for the sport. That's just where things are going. I, I think <laughs> our genetics will definitely be outdated for the sport by then because these young guys coming up are getting better and better. That's that's for sure. I, I, I wouldn't <laughs> argue with argue with that i'm not entirely sure i'm 100 percent though with you on dirk will be the casual 20 year old guy because some of those guys that were winning back 10 15 years ago those guys would still be doing really well we still be doing really well now and um, the, the personality types really interesting because in the study that i published recently looking at the state trait anxiety i had one guy then you used the term type b personality type he was exactly like that so the other three people in the study, when we're doing the psychometric tests all the way through it, they were getting anxious and they were getting more anxious as the study's going on and they're hitting the threshold whereby you'd say some people have got potentially a bit of an issue going on here. He was just chilled all the way through. And I knew this guy quite well because he was one of my students. I was like, yeah, that's that's him. He's like that the whole time. So I, personalities are, are a major thing in terms of how much you can um, you can take. Um, and then you, you talk about robbing the bank. No, you're you're right. Um, it's relative to the previous experience, but I don't think we should downplay the fact that yeah, it's still it's still going to be difficult. <laughs> still going to be difficult. It's a challenge though, and you embrace it from from there, and you try not to be a martyr. That's that's something I always preach, which is which is a um, which is important. Steve, what do you think? You, you've patiently sat there this this whole time. Is is there anything that you've taken from this? crumbs or, or different sure. things you what, what's your perspective because i recall seeing you in the studio i think it was last year and you're like yeah i'm, I'm going to do this show i've got about 15 weeks or something to go maybe it was not as much as that and i was like steve 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 you're almost ready mate just calm <laughs> down and I, and I think you appreciated that yeah no i did advice but what do you think steve yeah so no i i wanted to leave you guys just to chat because i think that's always just the the nicest way to kind of have this sort of conversation but i thought there was definite kind of crossing of lines in terms of trying to bring the best look for the athlete and that's going to look different yeah. for every single person and particularly like level of advancement and then also i can kind of talk about just personally kind of approaching stage in a, a better and better way way each time and being at like a level of body fat or leanness and feeling like i did like at the start of like the prep of the the one before because we're just as coaches i think getting better at periodizing some of these things so making sure you start a prep and you're not already fatigued from dieting from like, I don't know, another time. Um, yeah. You haven't got kind of over 20% of body weight to lose. It's closer to like a 15% or 10% loss, which just makes the whole process easier using kind of like refeeds, diet breaks, things that people are using more intelligently now. And the, the question that Andy put towards Alberto there in terms of once you're at that kind of condition, and the question is like, can you be ready too early? I think you probably both agree you can be ready too early. It's like, but how early is too early? And it's individual dependent. So you're going to have to assess that for the, the person at hand. And also what does their too, what does their, their ready look like? It's going to look different person to person as well, depending on their package. Because I think like Brett Freeman is a good example where he isn't the most muscular guy, but he gets incredibly conditioned and that's his kind of calling card. So maybe that is the right move for him to make. Whereas 
someone else might decide actually it's not worth me kind of quote unquote chasing those glutes because I look better overall my package is better now and mm -hmm. if I go yeah. down that route it might take me away from what on stage is going to be rewarded so and it's subjective as well so everyone has their own little favorites and what gets rewarded it, it depends I guess federation to federation sometimes as well that was kind of my take homes at least it was it was a very interesting chat yeah, I think you've you've summarized it really well. And I mean, there's a lot we agree on about. I think we're, there's more we agree on, certainly, than, than we disagree on. That That's for sure. Well, yeah, you know how it is, man. It's like these sort of discussions with like, I guess just the casual bodybuilding person, like we're like, you can't even have those, you know, whereas like in this case, it's exciting to me because like, you know, I've talked to someone here that has something to do with the local shows and I'm like, I, I don't even want to go there, man, because um I don't, to be honest, uh, but uh, but in this case, yeah, I think um, talking about some of the more jargony subject matter in natural bodybuilding, I think it's good when it comes to like getting the sport like out there and getting people interested and and um, yeah, they're just they're important uh, to just yeah have like a I guess a barbershop conversation in regards to this, um, and we're never going to agree on everything, but I mean. I'd agree that because of that, like, it's like, I help you, you help me. And that's how it, it should be. Like, I, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, man. I've been wrong too many times, but because of that, like, it's, uh, it's why I've gotten better at what I do. And still, I'd say almost every year, there's something within the confines of like natural bodybuilding that I learned that kind of blows my mind that I'm like, and you should be having those moments quite, quite routinely. No, no, absolutely. I think if we can, we could all hold our hands up. I think probably at least you walk into a room and maybe thirty percent of the time you're right. I think that's a pretty good average. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, so yeah, we need that collective reasoning. And I think what was important as well is like the the context behind Dirk and his situation and how both of you as coaches, you know, like you have different athletes where you have to play them differently. And some of them, they might be in like a, a similar physiological position in terms of body fat, but one of them is dealing with it and you can keep digging them and they've got room to go. And the other one you're like, man, I'm just going to, we can't push you more because, well, I'm not willing to kind of, like you said, you're not willing to throw them into ring again because they might not come back and they might leave the sport. And I guess for a, that's where uh, actually yeah, it's a good example with Andrew, when I went and had posing with him, I think I was like 100 and just like 180 pounds or something. I hadn't competed for three years at this stage. So, and I'd been doing things a lot better. <laughs> so I'd actually gained much more muscle mass than I realized. And I was targeting my old stage weight. So I was like, yeah, I've got like 15 pounds to lose. And Andrew just looked at me like, you haven't. And I, I just lost all objectivity of like my physique and what I needed to lose. It'd been so long. So that helped me. I was like, oh, oh, this is great. And I'm sitting here now at like 175 pounds, which is about where Andrew said I needed to be. And I'm right about, I mean, I'm as conditioned as I've been before. So it's kind of like you learn as you go and as you get closer to that look, you understand. And I'm kind of in that territory now where you're like, if you keep going at the rate you're going, you're going to be too early or you're going to diminish. So now it's a case of having that skill set as a coach, like you said, Alberto, where you do start using maintenance periods, refeeds, you slow the rate of loss that sort of thing, take that into consideration, practice like peak weeks or what have you, because you're in that kind of like that fire pit that you're burning, but now you can kind of show off now and then cool off and 
take some shows on, which I'm, yeah, I'm hoping to do this season, but I guess it takes a while. It took me a while to get to this point where I, I kind of feel comfortable and confident in doing that. And you're still going to be wrong when it comes to certain things, but like, no. guess what? That's, <laughs> that's how you learn. That's how yeah. you, yeah. That's how you, you better the system. Uh, yeah. Every prep, every prep afterwards, I'm like wrong turn here, wrong turn there. That's yeah. Yeah. The, the other thing that you, you both touched on this and I, I think it's good is, I mean, this is the difference between coaching and being a coach programming and just following a, a blueprint and actually having the skills to know when to make the adjustments and when to pull back and, and so on from, from there. And yeah, think about the well-being of your athlete um, a person first rather than just as a piece of meat. Yeah, no, I think yeah. that's super um, important. As much as I talk about the skill set when it comes to the dieting, the training, I think those soft skills are probably what's most important here. Um, giving your athlete a building that sort of relationship where they can come to you with like most anything that might impact the prep in some way, and just getting to know your people as inside and out as, as possible is it's it's right up there with like how you diet your people, how you set up your training systems. It's, it's, it's more important. If that isn't in place, everything else is going to go to shit, no matter how perfect it might be on paper. Yeah, for sure. I was just going to say some of the things like for an example could be if, if Dirk's training performance was in the shitter, basically now, then this would be a very one-sided kind of call it an argument where it'd be like, well, yeah, he probably is kind of yeah. too early if he's, if it's terrible, but, I presume it's in a quite decent place and like that you're looking at training performance, kind of diet fatigue factors, how's their sleep, how they functioning at their job. You have to take all these things into consideration and you have people, maybe they're in positions like I am where like I work from home, I can stand, I can walk as much as I like, like I can eat my meals when I want to that, that process. I mean, I don't have many excuses for not getting to a really good level of condition. Whereas I'm sure you guys have worked with people. You're like, Are you sure prep right now is the right move <laughs> yeah yeah cool guys yeah. i think uh, and with dirk oh. if, if if look i'll say this if, if i am wrong with dirk and like he like i'm not gonna make the guy be like hey you gotta f prove me right bro we, we cannot like <laughs> like he's just got anxiety like, like, every day bad. so yeah if he if he runs into a chinese buffet and absolutely <laughs> wrecks it it's like i'll be the first and be like damn um okay Maybe, maybe we. <laughs> Fantastic. Guys, thank you so much uh, for yeah, coming yeah. on. Uh, I want to make sure people know uh, if they don't already where to kind of find out more about you. So Andrew, if you want to kind of plug away, first of all, that'd be fantastic. And thank you again. So um, thanks, Steve, um, for this. So I'm Dr. Andrew Chappelle. You can find me on Instagram. I'm at Fuel by Scott Soats. If you want to find me for coaching, it's at Pro Prep Coaching, and be sure to check out the uh, WMBF UK as well. I've got websites, so you can find them on Instagram as well. That's how most people connect on the socials these days. Fantastic. Berto? You're doing Zeus's work out there with the WMBF, bro, so I appreciate that a lot. Because, yeah, yeah, that's that's the one thing I won't dabble into. It's just like, but I know it's coming at some point. Um We'll see how the type B does in that. that, that. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear, I hear all the stories. Um, at 3dmusclejourney.com, um, 
find us there. That's me and my whole squad. And, and uh, you, through there, you can find everything else we offer, the YouTube channel, the lifting library, the vault, um, just all uh, different um, educational resources that, that um, we worked really hard on. And I think they're quite great, a little biased, but that, that's just my two cents. Uh, and then I am most active on Instagram. Uh, maybe not as much as the last few years, but Instagram, Nunez, 3DMJ. Um, and yeah, no, it was a pleasure, guys. Uh, love these sort of discussions. Are you going to compete yeah. next year? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. You'd be a middleweight, um, and I'd and be I a middleweight. <laughs> If I if I was a middleweight, I, I did something incredibly wrong. I think. So. Are you a heavyweight? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm downwards, man. You're being too optimistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. they height classes in the WNBF. Uh, the, or, the world that's weight. I'm pretty. Oh, sure. okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that yeah. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I'm right on you. the cusp, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Eat up. <laughs> Guys, I just want to round it out. Thank you again for coming on uh, and uh, everyone for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. So I'm Steve Hall, founder of Revive Stronger and a coach of Revive Stronger. My name is Pascal Floor. I'm the co-owner of Revive Stronger and also a coach, of course. You Revive Stronger has probably been going solidly for three years, probably roughly about three years. Revive Stronger to me, it is becoming kind of my child, my foster child. It's the gathering and getting together of like-minded people. We've been expanding the coaching team, which is helping us help more people, uh, but each coach can only help a certain number of people. Right now, it's all over the place. We have YouTube, we have Facebook, we have Instagram, but there isn't that community aspect behind that. And so the next step for us is developing a membership site. So basically we want to create a family and a community that is then benefiting from another. A really cool community for people within our little niche is gonna be a website. They will get early access to our podcast. You can access us, ask us questions, the community aspect. We have a forum there, you can ask questions, but also you can, you can lock your journey. There's also gonna be Courses on there, courses, presentations on different topics, discount of past seminar footage. We will log our journey as well. We'll start vlogging. We're going to have documentaries, our entire athletic journey. Furthermore, they get access to an exercise video library. The exercises that we love for hypertrophy and maximizing hypertrophy, we're gonna go through those in depth, telling you how to execute them. We kept them concise and also mobile friendly so that you can watch them in between your sets. I'm super excited to grow this community. The amount of value that we're gonna be delivering is huge. And I'd love you to be part of it. You will get so much out of that. I'll see you inside.